Hello, and welcome to High Tea Obsessed. I am your host, Thomas Boomhauer, and today I am excited to kick off Season 4 of the show. It's been a long, long hiatus for me, longer than I thought it would be for sure, and to be honest, probably done much less prep than I thought I would uh, when I initially took this break. I've not been completely off. You know, I've done a few Patreon-exclusive episodes. I've uh, linked in the show notes to that if you want to subscribe. And, of course, the High Tea Obsessive, the newsletter I got going, that's soon going to be a few of the bat issues publicly released, and that is still coming out to Patreons. Don't you worry, patrons. But today, I'm excited to begin this season about the life, the impact, the legacy of Alexander III of Macedon, or, as we all know, and love him, Alexander the Great. This episode is dubbed and functions as an episode zero. So here, now, very little historical information is going to be dropped. We're going to be talking about what this season is going to look like, you know, some of the scheduling I have planned, some of, like, how I'm going to be focusing this season thematically, stuff like that, and why I'm doing this, why this topic is important to me, and why I think it's important to learn about today and understand. And I'm also going to talk about some of the sources that we have as historians when we want to talk about Alexander the Great. So I say a we a lot, you know, I'm sure you've noticed that if you've been listening to this show for a little bit. And when I do that in these episodes, the we isn't me and another personality I have in this old head of mine. And it's not like someone behind the scenes. We is because I like to think of this as a conversation between myself and the audience. So it's it's me and you, you know, whoever you are listening out there, you and I are talking right now. So that is why I always or often will say we instead of I. If you're new here, because this season is purely historical based, right? And it's a little bit different than what I've been doing thus far. So if you're a new listener, new just because you're into history and wanted to give a show about Alexander the Great a try, maybe you are just a big fan of Alexander the Great like I am. Let me explain a, a few things really quick. The idea behind High Tea Obsessed is basically that I have a billion interests, right? Too many to actually focus into a niche niche podcast. And so basically what I do is each season now of a of the show focuses on a set topic. And that's so I get to eventually explore all the various things I am obsessed with. Last season was heists and heist movies. Very fun, very fun. Had some great guests there, and then previous seasons were kind of episode-by-episode random stuff, which is wild and did not work well. Anyway, let's get cooking. So when I first sort of, I set out to do this, I had a grand plan I was going to do like 25 to 50 episodes, there were going to be a bunch of historians on, there was going to be like all these episodes giving you the context of ancient Greek, Persian, Macedonian history. There are going to be a bunch of episodes on Philip of Macedon. And then we're going to go chronologically through the years of Alexander's life. And it was going to be like incredibly in-depth. So I set out to do that. I started scripting up some episodes and it all just became so daunting. And I was so, I noticed I was like putting it off. I wasn't looking forward to it. And I was just nervous, too nervous to get things going. And then I also realized, you know, there are like, and this is only a slight exaggeration. There are billions of books that already have done that, right? There are a billion books about Alexander the Great that have been 
covering his life comprehensively and chronologically. And there are also other excellent podcasts out there you can listen to. And even some great courses from uh, Audible that I listened to that were really good. So it's just, you know, it's been done by probably better historians than me. And while I think I'd have been able to come out with a great season of content that way, I did think, you know, since it has already been done, why not try something a little bit different? And so I'm going to be arranging this season sort of thematically, though largely chronologically. And what's kind of ironic about that is that when I was in grad school getting my master's in history, and we had to read some of these books that were arranged thematically, I usually did not like them. I often thought that they could have been done just as well, if not better, chronologically, that the arranging them by arguments didn't really help with the narrative of the monograph at all. And that's kind of what I'm doing here anyway. So we'll see. But I am optimistic that this is going to work. So how are we going to do this? You're probably wondering. Starting off, Friday. Yeah, Friday, two episodes, one week, no big deal. We're kicking off with a brief history of ancient Greece, and that is going to include coverage of, like, sort of the ages of ancient Greece. Very, very brief for that. And then we're going to dive into classical Greece with a focus on the development of the polis and then some of the city-states that emerge, mostly the ones that are relevant for the Alexander part of the story. And I am not an ancient Greek historian, ancient historian of ancient Greece, however you want to say that. So this is going to be sort of just like general and like a quick, give you a little context for what you need, need to know, not super in depth. And while it will be accurate, I'm sure there will be some holes you should poke in it because I'm just going to be taking what I read and not necessarily like have 18 different options for you. So we're going to do that, and then the episode after that will be about the Greek and Persian Wars, which will be fun. And then we're going to kick things off with a little bit of Persian history. And then we're getting into the Philip the Great episodes, and not <laughs> Philip the Great. Then we're getting into the episodes about Alexander the Great's father, Philip II, because you really need his story if you want to understand how Alexander was able to accomplish what he accomplished. And then finally, we will reach the Alexander portion of the season, where sort of my working theory behind the season is that Alexander represented, and still to this day, represents all these different things to different people. And there are all these different elements of him. So we'll look at Alexander throughout his life and the many roles he played. So we'll see like Alexander the heir, Alexander the conqueror, Alexander the tyrant, the general... The uh, like besieger, the friend, the administrator, the financier, stuff like that. And then we will do an episode on his legacy. So that'll be like literally the legacy of his actions and then some of his legacies in culture to this day, like the Alexander romances that were big in the Middle Ages. I'm not going to watch again Oliver Stone's movie unless you guys make me, but. We'll talk about that a little bit. And another reason I want to do this and look at the various elements of who Alexander was is because, is because I think something we need to focus more on, especially when it comes to getting non-historians interested in history, is to stress the humanity of the people involved in these, you know, for lack of a better term, stories that we talked about. So, like, all the great 
and all the terrible figures that you learn about in history, they're just people, really, at the end of the day. And the evil things we learn about from our past, they happen to people too, just as real as you and I. And I think it's too often just because we reduce them to numbers and figures and it's easy to sanitize history. And I think we have to be wary of doing that. And it's important to put the human element back in history. And I think talking about history in like a purely clinical frame of mind is dangerous and allows hijacking of narratives, which is what we're seeing a lot all over the world. And so I also think it's important for academics and historians to address these subjects and all historical subjects in as accessible a way as possible and just kind of try to convey how amazing and fascinating and interesting and just frankly really cool history is to as wide an audience as possible. And I think that's true whether we're talking about these things like Alexander the Great and the Greeks, all this stuff that was we're so far removed from. Right. Or whether it's things we're dealing with the immediate consequences of now still today, like slavery and the legacy of things like redlining and segregation here in the U.S. I think that as historians, we have a duty to make what we know about history accessible to everybody so that we like so that it's known. So that is what I'm going to be doing this season, focusing on Alexander's various aspects, roles and interpretations of who he was and I will try to the best of my ability, not just look at him and transpose the values we have today to judge his actions. And I will also try not to just be blinded by how cool I thought he he was my entire life. Because this is a man who did some like super cool things and was, you know, capable of great mercies, but was also just capable of just absolutely insane atrocities and evil as well. And just for any historians that happen to be out there or people who are super into history, like I'm not claiming that what I'm doing is going to allow us to really, truly get to know Alexander the Great as a person, right? And as I'm going to get into later, our sources are such that it'd be ridiculous to claim that. I'm just trying to focus on his humanity and the different aspects of him, I guess. Then, of course, at the end, you know, I already went through all the different things I'm going to be talking about him. As, but of course, the final episode really about him is going to be like Alexander the Great, where we just kind of determine was he actually great? I vote yes. Spoiler alert. I might also, maybe probably also will tag on an episode about his successors, the Diadochi. But despite how fascinating it is, I might just make a meme out of it instead. It is very interesting. That's like a whole season or 18 of a podcast by itself now. As to why I'm doing this, besides the obvious motivations that this is my podcast and Alexander the Great is probably the like single thing besides, you know, the Nets and the Giants that I've been obsessed with the longest in my life. I do think it's important to study his history, even for us sophisticated moderns. For one thing, for one thing, like I've been saying, I think his story is just really cool. It's almost mythological. And the story of his father, Philip, is also like super sick on its own. So even if we were just talking about Philip, that'd be amazing. Not to mention, I just love learning about ancient history. So this has been a great lens for me to get back into that, have some fun learning again. And also, I always thought like, you know, when you go back to middle school social studies, if you will, we learn about the Babylonians, the Assyrians, how they fought. And I was like, this is really cool. And then you learn the Persians come in, they conquer all of them. I was like, that is amazing. And then the Greeks kind of stood up to them. And then Alexander the Great conquered 
all of them. Just like, okay, this is amazing. This is a very cool guy. And obviously when you're like relatively young kid like that and it's not really real to you and you're big into Lord of the Rings, it's like, this is real life Lord of the Rings. My guy just did all these amazing things. Like this is so cool. And also I know like historians aren't supposed to claim that history repeats itself or we're supposed to say like it's an oversimplification to look at historic events and be like, oh, this is the same thing we dealt with, blah, blah, blah time. But listen, as I'm doing these episodes, if you don't see one-to-one instances that remind you of some of the problems facing us today, I'd argue you're just not paying attention. Like some of the things we'll see this season include the dangers of wealth unchecked, right? The threats posed by strong populists, persuasive individuals kind of hijacking public assemblies, dangers of reckless accusations against your opponents, like corruption, bribery, I don't know, stuff like that. The dangers of eroding truth, maybe, what that can pose to society. Dangers of crying wolf, you know, every threat is a world-ending threat. Dangers of trying to reclaim lost glory you had in a days gone by, maybe. And just like a bunch of other issues we see. So like, sure, history changes, right? And the proximal reason for each event, trend, catastrophe, whatever, those all vary, right? Like the immediate explanation for what caused XYZ, it's all different. But I think, you know, I'd argue, despite how far we've come technologically and in some respects societally as well, as a species, like on an individual level, how different are we really from those people who lived all that time ago? So I do think that it is truly important for us to study subjects like these from our past. And really all history is really important, I think, but what am I, you know, I'm biased. But to circle around, I just think this is a very cool topic and something I've been so interested in for so long that I sort of have a duty to myself to tell it and to help others hopefully become as excited by this topic as I am. I also think that because, you know, my passion for the subject and passion for communicating it in a way accessible to everybody, and I, I think I'm hilarious, so we'll see what you guys think, but I think it's just going to make a great season of content for you. So that's basically what's going on and why. I guess I should say, previous seasons I've released on Tuesdays and every week usually. This season, I believe I'm going to be releasing Fridays, at least until the fall, and then at first every week, but eventually probably every other week. And I will be keeping you up to date on that as things develop. So yeah, that's why you get two episodes this week. Now, let's talk about our sources a little bit and some of the sources I will be using in this season specifically. So, when it comes to Alexander the Great, none of the, like, no specific biographies or accounts of his life from the time, or even particularly close to the time he was alive, still exist. There are some primary sources, you know, some fragments of stuff, some like records, things like that. But for the most part, what we base our knowledge of Alexander the Great on, our histories written hundreds of years after his life. Now, these sources did largely base what they wrote on official histories from the time or close to Alexander's life. Like his official court historian, Callisthenes, Ptolemy, one of Alexander's best friends, leading generals, and future, spoiler alert, spoiler alert here, future king of Egypt, and also a few other notable individuals. You know, they wrote some stuff. And each of these sources from that time, of course, had their own biases. 
that will become probably obvious as we get into it, as did those sources written based on them, right? Like we have Roman eyes largely writing hundreds of years after these events using some of their contemporary views on monarchs, for example, to judge Alexander, and also using some of like what they knew about war to judge what was going on and the believability of what was written about. So an example I like to use is George Washington. Let's say thousands of years from now, people are trying to piece together what was like who this George Washington person was and how successful a leader in general he was. And they have like, you know, Ron Chernow's book about him. They have Alexis Toe's book and then like a book from some crazy Fox News person. And so they have three sources, all with their own biases, let's say. And while those three books have a lot of sources that they were based on primary sources, including stuff from Washington's own hand. It's like, are we sure Washington didn't know he was going to be remembered historically and maybe alter some of his writing for that and like keep records that reflected his historical significance? And are we sure that the, the founding fathers didn't curate some of the history to reflect nicely on a young nation? So it's like the sources themselves are biased is what I'm getting at. And then this, yeah. Same, you did, you did it. You're smart. You're listening to this. You're smart. Come on. So anyway, what I'm going to do now is talk about the sources that we do have and some of the issues and all that. So there are five main sources historians use when writing their histories of Alexander the Great. We have the Anabasis of Alexander by Arian, written in the second century CE. Arian was a historian who was friends with the Emperor Hadrian appointed to the Senate and eventually a governorship by him. Arian considered himself kind of the heir to Xenophon's legacy. Xenophon wrote the Hellenica, I believe. March of the 10,000 was Xenophon. Typically, Arian is considered our best source for the military aspects of Alexander's campaigns, though this is no longer universally accepted. Arian typically cites his sources and criticizes them when necessary. Specifically, he used the words of Ptolemy, Nearchus, who was the admiral of Alexander's fleet, and Aristobulus to write his work. We also have Plutarch's Parallel Lives, which is a series of biographies comparing famous Greeks and famous Romans. He wrote his life of Alexander, which paralleled his life of Caesar, naturally. I'm pretty lacking in my Julius Caesar knowledge, to be honest with you. Rome knowledge in general, really, because there's so much history, it's hard to study even half, like even 1% of it. Anyway, Plutarch's history is more concerned with Alexander's ethos, you know, his drive, his ambition, his yearning for glory, his faults and failings. And his history is derived from Aristobulus and Clitarchus, while also drawing on the works of the sculptor Lysippus to deliver perhaps the most accurate physical description of Alexander. And a lot of the more colorful anecdotes you'll read about and hear about here from Alexander's life come from Plutarch. There's also Diodorus's uh, book 17 of his Bibliotheca Historica, which, you know, it's, it strives to serve as a history of the world. All of book 17 is focused on Alexander the Great, and the sources for this are kind of disputed. We also have Quintus Tertius Rufus, a.k.a. He wrote... 10 books on Alexander, the last eight of which still survive to this day. And these serve as the main sources for the Alexander romances, which sort of are what a lot of people 
still associate with Alexander, like some of the physical descriptions, his mismatched eyes, for example, are believed to be a construct of those and not necessarily accurate. And this one, you know, our director, Tyus, he's out here telling a good story, spinning a good yarn. Unclear how accurate, if at all, his narrative is. I think we kind of only use him if we have no other choice. And he makes a lot of chronological, geographical, and military mistakes in his writing. And then also there's Justin's epitome. Again, not a lot going on for him here. Again, kind of just used when we have no other choice. In terms of contemporary contemporary sources, this podcast is going to rely on Philip and Alexander, Kings and Conquerors by Adrian Goldsworthy, one of the more, if not the most recent major publication on Alexander the Great and Philip. I think Adrian Goldsworthy is just the best kind of ancient historian out there, at least for like relatively lay people. He writes very accessibly and has, he does a good job of like getting into some of the issues with the sources while also giving them their due and also not just dismissing them wholesale and also not getting too bogged down in it which you can find in a lot of these, where they'll just be like, you know, wringing their hands over the sources for pages. I also used Alexander the Great and the Macedonian Empire, which is a great courses lecture from Kenneth W. Harrell. He's pretty funny. He has some good insights into this as well. Also, Alexander the Great by Philip Freeman. That's just like a pretty basic bare bones one that I have used to like need to jog the memory. Let's skim through quick. For specialized discussions of various elements, I'll use... Philip II of Macedonia, Greater Than Alexander by Richard A. Gabriel, who I do think is kind of delusional when it comes to his thoughts about Alexander the Great. I do think his coverage of Philip is pretty good. And he, that's just like the, the one I consulted. There's also The Treasures of Alexander by Frank L. Holt, Holt, which I will use for coverage of the financial elements of this season. And then there's like a bunch. I'll put a full list on the blog and include a link in the show notes to that. I'll do that throughout the season. But there's like a bunch of websites, some other books for various parts of the ancient Greek history, various lectures and books for the Persian history, various, like a lot of books just about Alexander. I have like a book about his field campaigns and then a separate book about just his sieges. So a lot of reading and research went into this season. But yeah, so that's what we're working with. That's what the season will be looking like. And next episode, we will be talking about the history of ancient Greece. Again, very brief, specific focus on Greece's, Greece in the age of hegemonies, classical Greece, Athens, Thebes, Sparta, Corinth, maybe a little, a little trickle at Delphi and a few other key players that come in as well. So. As always, if you did what you're hearing, make sure to hop on the podcast platform of your choice and drop a five-star rating, five-star review, and be sure to check out the podcast on social media at high T-O podcast on Twitter and high T underscore obsessed underscore podcast on Instagram. Because on there, there will be updates. There will be context-free spoilers. And there will be, most importantly, just incredible amount of memes, really staggering amounts of memes for this season. Also, I'm going to be putting out a playlist on Spotify of songs that remind me of various things from this history as we go. So, final thing, before I let you guys go, before I blow you some kisses, say adieu. Be sure, if you want just like a, a newsletter that's 
like 100% pure gasoline and bonus episodes of the show, be sure to subscribe to the Patreon link in the bios of the socials and in the show notes as well. There's various levels you can subscribe, three, five, ten dollars You get bonus content at any level and then various levels of input into future topics and seasons of the show. Anyway, until next time, I have been Thomas Boomhauer, and this is High Key Obsessed, Season 4, Alexander the Great.